Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. chapter 5 and verse 5 and let me say what a privilege it is to be here with you this morning and uh, we're in a series entitled David and Solomon in our third lesson this morning brother Davis has given us the title already it's building the temple and for me these these lessons are sometimes difficult to teach but if I have to purpose myself to slow down, and when I do that, I always find something in here that I can apply to my daily living, and it'll help me. And so that's what I ask the Lord to do this morning, uh, is to help us see something that would encourage us and strengthen us and to help us further the kingdom of God. The book of First Kings chapter 5 and verse 5 says, And behold, I purpose to build a house unto the name of the Lord my God, as the Lord spake unto David my father, saying, Thy son, whom I will set upon thy throne in thy room, he shall build a house unto my name. And you may be seated this morning in the fear of the Lord. You know, there's many truths about God, but one in particular that I tend to love and cling to is that God's plan and his promises extend to multiple generations. And what I mean by that is there was some promises and some plans that were made in the New Testament that we know come to fruition in the, in, I mean, in the Old Testament and they come to fruition in the New Testament. But there's plans and promises throughout the word of God that are still transpiring today and coming to pass today. We see that all across our nation and all across the world. And we have to ask ourselves if God's plan and promises do extend to multiple generations, and we know they do, what will we do? When, what God calls us to do. What, what are we going to do when God calls us to do something? Will we accept the challenge and the responsibility? Or will we lay aside and, and fail for the kingdom of God? We're, in our world, we're so accustomed to the pace of our, our fast-paced life. And it can be difficult for us to even imagine the dynamics at work hundreds of thousands of years ago. And think about this with me in construction projects. The mighty Hoover Dam was constructed in just five years. The Gateway Arch in St. Louis took only about two and a half years. The Empire State Building in New York City was completed in a mere one year and 45 days. But construction in ancient times was conducted on a whole different scale, a much slower scale. The Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris took 182 years to complete. York Minster, a cathedral in Deangate, England, was 252 years in the making. And it took the rock city of Petra in the country of Jordan over 450 years to be carved out. 
And finally, the Great Wall of China was completed over the course of approximately 2,000 years. It was not at all uncommon for hundreds, if not thousands, of workers to give their lives to building something, knowing it would never be completed in their lifetime. They would, they would be, die and be gone before it ever come to fruition. And imagine that, working on a project your whole life, yet never being able to see it completed. And you know that, and you know that while you're working on it. You know that every nail you drive, every board you hang, you're not going to see the end of us. And what, what kept them motivated? As I began to study this, I, I had to imagine what, what motivated them to keep going, knowing that they would not be a part of the outcome. I mean, think about it. Can you imagine getting married and buying a piece of property and you start building your home together and when you pass from this life, you're still in that building process. You never get to see it completed. You never get to enjoy the fruits of your labor. You, you never enjoy sitting on the porch and drinking coffee or swimming in a pool or eating dinner in your dining room or cooking steaks for the family on the back deck. You never get to do any of that. And that's almost unimaginable. Yet there were countless men and women in ancient times that did that very thing. And in this lesson today, we're going to consider a most significant construction project from the pages of Scripture. And while the actual building of it remarkably only consumed seven years, the process of seeing it rise took a much longer time and expand over two generations. And what we commonly call or refer to as Solomon's Temple because he was sitting on the throne during its construction, it actually was only completed in that short time frame because of the investment of time and finance and planning and the gathering of materials by his father, David. Had it not been for David's commitment to something, he would never personally see the wonder of a temple and all that transpired it may have never been. Bible historians say that 70,000 unskilled workers... 80,000 skilled workers and 3,300 supervisors or foremen took part in the construction of the temple. In today's money, it would have cost a little over $200 million to construct Solomon's temple. Now, we all should be invested in things that will outlive us. We should be willing to give our time and our talent and our treasures to work on kingdom items that may or may not ever be realized during our lives but they will make a huge impact in the generations that follow. And when we do so, it ensures God's purpose extends beyond any particular person or personality. No worker is more important than the other. The individual who drives the last nail is no more important than the one who drove the first. And had it not been for David's commitment and contribution, Solomon would have never enjoyed the ribbon cutting. And it can be challenging to keep the big picture in mind how what we are doing matters when we are mired down in the details of the day-to-day -day task. Still, David and Solomon can teach us some lessons this morning about how we can complete what someone else begins. But, but God is the one who always gets the glory. And that's the most important thing that we have to acknowledge this morning. And we're also not only talk about the building of literal or material things, but as Brother Davis so aptly said in his opening comments this morning, we're talking about building spiritual things, our, our, our life that we live for God and the church and the church in general. And it's just 
as vital in soul winning. There will be people that we reach out and minister to that will never be a part of this church. They'll never give one offering. They'll never sing one song. They'll never preach one message in this church. It happens through jail and prison ministry and nursing home ministry and hospital ministry and, and many others. We witness and minister to people that will never don the doors of this church. However, we are still building the kingdom. And that's the most important thing to remember. We're in the soul business. At the end of the day, that's all that matters is souls and sharing this wonderful message of Jesus Christ. Anyone who has studied David's life has, been, has seen a striking contrast between the best of David and the worst of David. In this one individual, we find a man unwilling to harm King Saul even though his own life was in jeopardy because of the king. We also find a man ready to slaughter all of Nabal's house for Nabal's insulting speech and his lack of charity. David committed gross atrocities, yet he is declared in Scripture to be a man after God's own heart. We find in Acts 13 and 22, Scripture reads, And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. And at some level, even when rebounding from his lowest moments, David had a deep desire to honor God. He was all, even, even in his shortcomings and his fallings, when David would come from those moments, he always wanted to honor God. And this consuming motivation stayed with him until the latter days of his life when he purposed to build something for the name of the Lord which would stand long after he was gone. He desired to build a house for the Lord God. And as David was nearing his death, he called Solomon to him and said in 1 Chronicles 22 and 7, My son, as for me, it was in my mind to build a house unto the name of the Lord my God. And when David would travel to Shiloh to worship in the tent that had traveled with Israel throughout the wilderness, his heart would smite him. He, he would be almost embarrassed because he had a permanent home, but there was no permanent structure for God's house. And surely a nation as powerful and as wealthy as Israel could do better than this. It began to consume him that he could build such a place. And there are two things notable about David's plans and desires. First, David wanted to give God his best. He was not content to give his master anything less. And second, David did not desire to build it for the sake of his own name, but to build it unto the Lord. And anything we do for God must be with that pure motive. Honoring the name of God. Everything we do in word and in deed, it must honor God. Even if people forget we ever had a hand in it, the only name worthy of honor is His. And the Lord promised that He would build a house for, for David. And God is never a debtor to anyone. He, he never fails to observe any sacrifice made for His kingdom. And He never fails to bless the one making a sacrifice. And though David was not allowed to complete all that he wanted to do for God, the Lord took note of his heart and what he did do, and he pronounced a blessing on him. Second Samuel 7 and 11 reads, 
Also, the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee a house. That was uh, declared by the prophet Nathan. And this declaration may have had a both literal and spiritual fulfillment. For an heir of the house of David would forever sit on the throne. And we know that is in the person of Jesus Christ. And thus God established a house for David perpetually. And God will always do more for us than we can do for him. And whatever the exact meaning and fulfillment of God's promise to David was, it does illustrate a principle that we must always remember when serving God, is God always does more than we can do for Him. And the never-ending benefits and rewards for serving in God's kingdom are not worthy to be compared with even our greatest devotion. And I know that I could pass the mic around this morning and we could spend the rest of the day testifying of the goodness of God and how much He has blessed us. And we don't give to be blessed. It's just part of the deal with God. And, and when you give with the right heart and the right motive to His kingdom and the work of His kingdom, He will reward and bless that sacrifice. I, I cannot ever recall a time that God hasn't paid me back double for, for whether it was a financial uh, offering or whether it was an offering of my talents. And, you know, we talk about sacrifice sometimes, how we've had to sacrifice. And it's hard for any of us to look at the cross of Calvary and then use the word sacrifice when you really think about it. Because there's nothing that we've ever given or done that would compare. And I say this with the greatest respect this morning, but I don't think any of us in the house has ever really suffered or sacrificed anything for the kingdom of God compared to the sacrifice that he made for us. When I think about the price that he paid on Calvary for me, we know that the word says that he knew us before we was formed. And so when I dwell on that and I meditate on that, I think if the Lord knew Jerry, then he had to see all the flaws and mistakes that he would make. He, he would have to see that at some point in his life that I would turn my back on him and, and I would fall and stumble and get up again only to fall and stumble again. And yet he still, he still chose to hang on that cross and die for me. And I, I am forever grateful. Who wouldn't want to serve the Lord? Why, why wouldn't we want to give our everything and our all to God after all that He has done for us? Because anything that we have offered to God has been returned over and over again. And again, we could all tell the story of how God blessed us or did something for us all because of a donation that we contributed, whether that be financial or whether we donated our time or talents. Whatever it is that we do, it's worth it all. It will always be worth it all. David wanted to build a temporal house, and God promised him an eternal one. God has made a similar promise to us in 2 Corinthians 5 and 1. The scripture reads, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And oh, how I long to go and see I can't picture streets of gold, and I can't pick, picture all the, the miraculous things that will be in heaven. But I know that one thing, I'll get to see Jesus face to face, and that's what keeps me going every day to get up and strive to do the best I can for him and to give back to the kingdom of God. And most importantly, keep a right heart and a right motive. David prepared to build the temple, and he decided to begin the process of building it 
And God explained He would not allow it. In 1 Chronicles 22 and 8, Scripture says, But the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Thou hast shed blood abundantly, and hast made great wars. Thou shalt not build a house unto my name, because thou hast shed much blood upon the earth in my sight. And so the blood of multiple battles that stained David's hand rendered him unfit in God's sight to construct the house of worship. And what was so interesting to me when I began to think about it is the fact that David did not fight these battles without God's approval and blessing. In fact, many times we read in an account where David went before the Lord and asked, do I fight or not? Do I pursue or remain? So there were many of these bloody battles, these killings, that God gave David the go-ahead for. And yet here he is not allowing him to build the temple because there was so much blood on his hands. And David could have said, well, God, you're the one that told me to do it. Why now am I being punished for what you told me to do? More than once, God miraculously intervened for David's forces and to bring his people out of whatever situation they find themselves in. And, you know, sometimes God's purpose or plan in our life may affect future choices that we make. Just because the Lord says no to something that we desire does not automatically mean that he's displeased with us. It might just be that he has a plan that preludes to some other, pers- that some other pursuits. And when God refused to allow David to do what he wished in building God's house, David's response to this disappointment, it was notable. And being upset would have been an easily fleshly reaction. How many times can you remember in your life when you wanted to do something and God said no? I'll raise my hand. I've been there. There's things that I've wanted to do. Pride would say, why should someone else get the credit for what I dreamed. It was my idea. I'm not going to be a part of Solomon's temple when it should have been David's temple. But rather than pout and do what he couldn't do, David applied his efforts to do what he could. He could gather the needed resources for the construction project. In First Chronicles 22 and 2, the scripture reads, And David commanded to gather together the strangers that were in the land of Israel, And he set masons to hew wrought stones to build the house of God. And David prepared iron in abundance for the nails, for the doors of the gates, and for the joinings, and brass in abundance without weight. Also cedar trees in abundance for the Zidonians, and they of Tyre. And he brought much cedar wood to David. And David said, Solomon, my son, is young and tender, and the house that is to be builded for the Lord must be exceeding magnificent of fame and of glory throughout all countries. And I will therefore now make preparation for it. So David prepared abundantly before his death. That's why it's so important when we desire to do something for the kingdom of God and God does not allow it or he does not open the door for it, we keep a right spirit. It would be the devil's pleasure for you or I to develop a bad spirit about not being able to do something in the kingdom or in the church. We pout around and we end up getting bitter. And it could cost us our soul. Wouldn't it be a shame to miss heaven because we developed a bad attitude and backslid over not being able to teach a Sunday school class? Over not being able to sing in church or not being able to preach a message? The no 
Sometimes the no may even come in the form of a bishop or our pastor. God may speak through him to tell me no. This is not what you need in your life. And, and he's had to do that to me before. There are things that I thought I wanted to do and was ready to do. And God in his mercy used my pastor to guide and direct me. And I thank God for that, that he loves me enough. Because God forbid, God forbid I went against God and the advice of my pastor. Because without a doubt, it will always end in destruction. And we've got to be sensitive to the Spirit of God and be willing to do what he requires of us. And also be willing not to do something that we want to do, that he or our pastor thinks is not in our best interest. Before his death, David was intentional about communicating his vision to his son Solomon. He was not going to leave chance the completion of what God had put on his heart. And he chose to instruct Solomon regarding one task in his future. Scripture says, Then he called for Solomon his son and charged him to build a house for the Lord God of Israel in 1 Chronicles 22 and 6. He went on to explain that this was not merely his idea, but it was God. For the Lord had said of Solomon by name, he shall build a house for my name. And we all should take this lesson to heart. Communicating to the next generation those things that God has put in our heart is key. We need to be expressing to the generation behind us, coming up behind us, our dreams for this church. And that's what our Sunday school teachers, that's why we so important to pray for them. That's not just a daycare center back there. They're back there teaching the Word of God and establishing seed in the hearts of those young children. And we need to convey the dreams. There may be some of us that will never see the new church building built that we've been planning for. But that doesn't mean I quit giving. It's not my building anyway. It's God's. Furthermore, it's not my money. It's God's money. I'm just giving his money back to him. We need to let the ones coming behind us know what God has shown us and convey to them and encourage them to keep the dream alive even if we can't build it. And that just doesn't pertain to material things, but also visions that God may have given us about the growth and the souls of this church. And we may not see it on this side of heaven, but we will see the fruits of our labor when we get to heaven. And that's all that's going to matter anyway. And, and I know, I understand that God can speak to them about the same things that he's spoken us to. But we need to consider if the way God desires to do so is through us through us opening our mouth. And, and to do so requires intention. It does not happen by accident or happenstance. That's why it's so important to, to invest in our young people, to, to take time with them and to teach them things and to share things with them. And what it's going to take to pass the baton, so to speak, is the product of an elder with a willingness to, to speak and a successor with a willingness to hear. And God always honors a good steward. Each of us is charged by the Word of God to be a wise steward. And this stewardship should encompass all areas of our lives, such as our time and our relationships and our talents and our finances. But it should also include our vision, 
How do we manage those things that God has put in our hearts? It should also include prayer. Are we committed to honoring God by doing whatever we can to complete a mission? Even if that means setting someone else up for success. If we're all honest with each other this morning here, it's hard sometimes to work on something and to give to something and diligently pursue something only to see someone else's name on the marquee. Only to see someone else get recognized for what we worked so hard for. Are we purposeful about sharing our vision with others so that they share the same passion that we have? When we are intentional, as David was in pushing forward the purposes of our lives, then we are demonstrating sound stewardship. You see, stewardship just is not speaking of money, but it's speaking of our efforts for the kingdom of God. It would not have happened. The temple would not have happened without David's investment. But Solomon will forever be known as the one who constructed the temple. We talk about it. It's been talked about for over 2,000 years, Solomon's temple. But really, it could never have come to pass without David. It, it bears the name of Solomon. It was his accomplishment. It happened under his leadership. And we attach his name to it. But Solomon built it to the name of the Lord. And that's why it would be there. And that's why it has been so successful and so pleasing to God. Before the first of David's supplies were utilized and before the first of Solomon's workers were employed, it all started because Solomon embraced the vision his father had given him. You see, David invested in Solomon. He, he nurtured him and he trained him up and allowed him to see the vision that God had given him. And because of that, because he made an investment in a young person, the great temple was able to be built. David, David was no longer there. The project would rise and fall on the commitment of Solomon. And Solomon developed that commitment through his father. Had he not accepted the mission of his own, there would have been nothing that happened. But, but note Solomon's words to Hiram, the king of Tyre. And he said, And behold, I purpose to build a house unto the name of the Lord my God, as the Lord spake unto David my father, saying, Thy son, whom I will set upon thy throne in thy room, he shall build a house unto my name. Solomon accepted that this assignment was the direct will of God for him, and he would be acting on divine direction. The word in his statement that carried this project forward to completion is I. Solomon said, I purpose to build. What had been David's purpose became Solomon's, and that's why the temple was built. And you and I have to develop a purpose in our life, whatever that may be for you. We have to use I. I will do this. I'm going to do this. I, I will be a part of it. I will do what God calls me to do because each of us has a purpose in God's kingdom and whatever that looks like for you the key to its fulfillment is for you and I to embrace it as our own we may be the ones who gather materials we may be the ones who shape the metal we may be the ones who hew the trees some of those young people out back today may be the ones who leave leads the effort and has their name forever attached to the completion that's in God's control but what is ours is the willingness to commit to doing the will of God. I control that. You control that. Our attitude, our spirit, our willingness towards the work and the kingdom of God, we control that. 
And it's hard to do something meaningful when you've got a bad spirit. It's hard to do something that counts and matters when your heart's not in it. Whatever it looks like, no matter how long it takes and no matter what it costs, I want to be committed to God. In his book, An Unhurried Life, Following Jesus' Rhythms of Work and Rest, author Alan Fadling crafts a contemporary parable about a king and two servants. Each of these two men had a deep desire to please his king, but their approaches to doing so were drastically different from one another. One of them was consumed with a fear of not pleasing his master, so he rose early each day to start his work. He would immediately begin to invest himself in the list of everything he believed the king wanted done. Not wanting to intrude on the king's busy schedule, he never inquired about what that list looked like. Instead, his days were consumed from first light until late into the evenings with a scurrying from project to project. The other servant, however, was equally eager to make his master happy. He, too, would rise just as early. But his first task of the day was different. He would always take a few moments to inquire of the king about his wishes for the day and to find out what the king would like accomplished. Only after having such a conversation would this servant proceed with his work for the day. Now, it's very possible that the first servant may have completed several tasks by the time the second servant had even started his work. But I asked the question this morning, which of them was doing the will of the master? Which one was pleasing him? The author Fadlin observes, genuine productivity is not about getting as much done for God as we can manage. It is doing the good work that God actually has for us in a given day. God's timing and purposes are perfect, but only if we hear from him can we know what that looks like in our day-to-day lives. In, in practical Christian living, it is so important that we stay in the timing and the will of God. Sometimes things don't move along as fast as we would like them to. But if we leave it in the hands of the Lord, there's a reason. We can rush into things sometimes too quickly. His voice, the voice of God, will harmonize with the voice of our spiritual authority, our pastor. And he will make his plans clear for us. And then it's our responsibility to give our passion and our energy to doing what Jesus has directed. And look, even if we're called to do something that we don't particularly like, it's not an excuse not to do it. I say that respectfully this morning. If my pastor asked me to do something that I don't particularly like, I want to do it anyway, and I want to do it with the right attitude and the right spirit. He wouldn't have asked me to do it if he didn't need it to be done. He knows I'm not a cook. I don't like to cook. But if he asked me to cook a ham, I'm going to cook a ham. It may not be edible, but I'm going to do what he's asked me to do, and I'm going to give my best effort in cooking that ham. It may chew like leather. But you can bet I did my best at it. And Solomon's willingness to receive direction and fulfill it should challenge every one of us to do the same. And I ask, what has God spoken to you about? What is your vision and your passion, even if it belonged to someone else first? What has our pastor 
ask you to invest in? What, what time and what talents and what does this church, this church body, Hatchman Apostolic, need from you and I to be successful in the kingdom of God? This church cannot be successful without each one playing their significant role. And no matter what that role may be, you may think that it's completely insignificant what you do here. But I tell you, quit doing it and see if it don't go noticed. Everyone matters. Every, every individual, every effort matters. And, it, and one is no greater than the other. This pulpit, and I say this respectfully, is no greater than a prayer warrior. We need prayer warriors in the house of the Lord today because there are the enemy has come against us. He knows his time short, and he's working overtime. And we've got to take time to speak with Jesus about these types of questions. Solomon's temple stands as one of the great construction accomplishments in the ancient world. Our ministry efforts can stand as a lasting testimony in the current world and in the world to come, whether that be in the form of Bible studies, whether that be in the form of prison ministry, whether that be in the form of mowing the grass or cleaning the church or giving Bible. It doesn't matter. Whatever your vision may be for God, do it with all your heart, hard as you can. Catch the vision and do whatever you can and do whatever he asks. I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning. We're closing just a few minutes early, but that'll give you a little more time to fellowship. And we have to keep in mind, at the end of the day, all that matters is that the kingdom of God is advanced. That's all that matters. If we contribute in some way to make that happen, then we've been a success, and it's been a successful run. And that's why Paul could echo, well done. I want to echo the thoughts of Paul. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. I, I want to catch a vision, and I want to do whatever I can for the kingdom of God. Would you pray with me this morning, Father? This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806. Or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.